What's up, everybody? Welcome to the very first episode of the EEIG Fantasy Football Podcast. I am the namesake, Eric Erickson, and joining me is my co-host. You may know him as the Kamish. You may know him as the Box Out King. You may know him as the Con Daddy, <laughs> Con McHugh. Howdy. How are you doing, Eric? So we're starting this podcast to dive into everything eig we're gonna be recapping each week talking to league members getting to know everything that's going on in the eig anything else you want to add connor what are you hoping to what are you hoping to do with this podcast you know i just realized that there's just so much drama that goes on in our league that we need a place where we can talk you know it's kind of like after the bachelor they they have that like tv show the post rose ceremony where everyone meets and talks about what happened in the last episode it's kind of how i feel like this podcast is going to go but truthfully um this i i don't want to say it's my idea but it was my idea to do this podcast and that's because i have been incredibly lazy at work the past like six months been trying to transfer and i was spending so much time looking up dogs at the humane society and I was just like at work and I'd be looking up dogs like in New Mexico or Texas, like going to, you know, all the humane societies trying to find, you know, the cute dogs. And I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if I could listen to something right now? I started kind of like getting into podcasts. And then I ran into this one that was about fantasy football. And I was thinking to myself, like, I could totally do this. These guys suck, you know? So now we're doing it. Yeah. Just, you know, everyone wants to listen to advice from the guy who got last place last year. So yeah, uh, it'll be fluke. good for everyone. Yeah, uh, I just had to regress to the mean, you know. And I'm also uh, gonna just gonna shout out. I'm gonna take your man card away just for admitting that you watched The Bachelor. Okay, I don't I don't watch the main show. I only watch the post rose ceremony. I gotcha. So, like we said, first episode of the podcast. You know, we're still learning as well, so don't we're open to critiques, but don't be too harsh. And uh, just for on today's show, lots to go over. We're gonna take a review of last year to 2018-2019 EEIG season. We're going to go over some league changes because we got some big some big things that happened in the offseason. And since our draft is coming up on Wednesday, Connor and I are going to break down some rankings and give you guys some advice. Because Lord knows they need the help. So, so let's start with a review of last year, 2018-2019 season. So we want to give a shout out to our league champion, reigning champ, Jordan Hazari, with his first first EEIG champion, joining a short list of EEIG champions. As a member of that list, I, I welcome Jordan. And I also want to give a shout out to myself, because I got second place again. <laughs> no one cares about second <laughs> For the third time, so, you know, keeping track at home of who has the most <laughs> second place finishes. No one's keeping track. That's all. me. Joe might have, whatever, five championships. But dude, those don't even count. Joe's championship okay. has three runner-ups. Okay, let me say something about Joe's championships too. I have some opinions as well. Okay, let me get into this really quickly. His championships—it's kind of like when you say you talk about all those like you know championships of like Wilt Chamberlain back in like the fifties when he was dunking on five foot six white guys. It's like okay, I guess you know, but like that doesn't mean shit these days exactly i've i I was thinking the same thing like if you know basketball there's this player named george mikan he's kind of like the first great basketball player of like the the nba 
way back in the day but is he really that good you know the, the league was probably still segregated when George Mikan was playing like you say he's just going to town on some some Connor McHugh's playing center hey hey <laughs> but you know, I'm a since, four okay since, I'm out of center I'm a four since everybody started taking I'm the league serious since everybody started taking the league serious you know Joe doesn't have any championships and the last year he didn't even make the playoffs so, you know, I'm going to pull up the box score from last year, last year's championship, just to take a look at Jordan's accomplishments. So a, high, a pretty high-scoring championship, if I must say, 137.2 for Jordan to my 111.2. And a pretty clear win. I mean, that's a 25-point difference. Yeah, yeah. So pretty, pretty significant victory for Jordan, led by the tandem of Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger, 37.5 points in the championship for A.B., and 29.6 for Big Ben. He also had a 24.5 from Robbie Anderson, as well as 17 from T.Y. Hilton. Dude, you have John Kelly? Who the fuck's John Kelly? <laughs> John Kelly, he was the uh, potential backup to Todd Gurley. Um, Didn't so, Josh Adams get cut by the Eagles as well? Dude, your team sucks. You started Alfred Blue in the championship? Okay. Yeah, he was a starting All running right. back for Houston, and you know he didn't do much. But yeah, he didn't do anything. <laughs> even if I would have started, uh, Gus Edwards would have gave me the most points at running back. I still would have lost by uh, twenty-one points instead of twenty-six. But you know, in the big scheme of things, who really cares about last season? Except we do have one more thing to discuss about last season. I can't forget. So as I mentioned earlier. Connor McHugh with the 12th place finish. And last year was the first year we implemented the last place punishment. So your last place punishment was to create an Instagram account. And the league winner, Jordan, got to pick the theme of the account. And you were supposed to make a certain amount of posts per week. I don't remember what the number was set at. I believe it was two. Does that sound right? I thought it was three posts for four weeks. That's what I thought it was. So okay. 12 total. Either way, that punishment was not quite met by you. So the the theme that Jordan selected was street magician. So Connor well, street the, magic, street you know magic. what I mean? Yeah, there you go. Connor the Mercurius was born, which is a name by Curtis. I take zero credit. It is an amazing name. And I believe there was only f four posts made on the Instagram account. Yeah, there's uh, yeah, there's four, but I'm not done. I mean, it, it really, just like all art projects, it's a work in progress, okay? You know, as someone who's in touch with my artistic side, I'm not going to put out sub-quality material. Okay, and I think in uh, the last um, league announcement, you said that you were going to be finishing out your punishment, and if you didn't, then you would lose two points per week until it was That's, done is that correct oh i thought it was just the first week but oh, okay. i mean to be honest it's i'm a glutton for self-punishment you know it's what happens when you're raised catholic you got a lot of guilt <laughs> i'm just trying to hurt myself you know and so what is the update on your current status of the last place punishment going into week one is just a few days away thursday is sure. the opening kickoff so i'm i think if it's not done by thursday then you should lose the two points that's fair. Um, to be honest, uh, uh, 
I think that there will be more posts in the future because I'm going to make, I need to make my 12 post quota out of a source of pride. And if I lose two points off the first week, it's not a big deal. I'll just change the schedule. So I'm playing Chris smart and it's like an auto win anyways. Yeah. I mean, Chris, you're probably, probably going into their matchup against Chris. You're probably at least like a 15 point favorite. So what's the uh, point anyway? I would think so. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would even put 20 points. I mean, the dude doesn't know what he's doing, you know? So everyone make sure you keep on, <laughs> on track of Connor's Instagram account. <laughs> and make sure you're watching the schedule too, because if we see any shadiness of schedule changes, I think we know what's going on. But like I was saying, 2018, 2019, that's in the past. We're focused on this upcoming season, kickoffs on Thursday. And there's been a lot of stuff that's changed in EIG. So I'm going to have Connor break down what's different going into this season compared to seasons past. You know, it's funny. Um, I remember when I uh, was trying to get into this league and I had, uh, I think it was, uh, I had to share a team with, with Chris Smart because he was in Europe. Um, and I think I drafted for him and I think we were absolutely awful. And I realized, you know, I know my own talent. I know that, you know, I'm a, out of the general population, I'm a top 2% fantasy football player. So for me to see that drop in production, I know there's a problem with the system, not the player. So since I've been commissioner, I've been trying to update the league to make it more 21st century oriented, you know? I feel as though some parts are stuck in the past, some people are stuck in the past, you know? Look at Joe's championships. He keeps bringing them up. Who cares, Joe? It was old school. There weren't 12 teams in the league when you won championships. We weren't doing half-point PBR. And now we're going to an auction draft, which, can I just say, I am so excited for an auction draft. I've been thinking about this for years. I've wanted to do one for years. And I'm actually, I, I believe beforehand we were doing a lot of things democratically with votes. But this I just pushed through because I'm tired of democracy. It has not been working. We need someone to take control. So, one of the things I like about an auction draft, just to give everyone a little brief reason as to why we're going in this direction, you can cater your team exactly how you want to, and your draft position plays zero role in who you choose. For example, let's say we do a snake draft, okay? So last year, which we did, we chose our draft position by a random, basically an, a random number generator from the internet, right? Now, let's say you get the 12th pick. Now, you might like, you know, Saquon Barkley. You might like him, but there's not a damn chance you're going to get him. He's not even available to you. You have to cater your entire draft strategy to being the 12th and 13th pick, right? So your entire draft is based off of essentially a random number generator. And that's silly. I mean, this should be fun. We should, uh, you know, want to build teams how we want to. So, I mean, I've been looking at a lot of stuff online, these different strategies for auction drafts. It seems like the, the, I've seen a, a lot of them. You can either do, you know, three great players and then try to find value and then, you know, try to, you know, plug and play some boom or bust. You can do two huge players, you know, spend a lot of your money on two guys that you really like. And then as guys drop later in the draft, you'll have enough funds to grab them. Or I've seen even what's like, hey, grab one of the top guys and then just get a bunch of uh, basically, you know, third or fourth round draft guys. And eventually one of those guys is going to bust and become a top five player. So the thing I like about it is it's flexible and you can choose your own team at the very beginning of the drafts. Everyone is available to you, depending on your own decisions. So anyways, we're moving to an auction draft. I think those are all good reasons. And um, my one advice, I don't even know when this is going to come out, but my one advice is to do at least one um, fake draft. Just to do, make sure you understand how it works because 
it's not if you go on there completely uh, cold, it may not work out the best for you. So that's the first big change. The second couple of big changes, we're going to have an extra flex spot this year. So I was actually in a, a different league with some scrubs who went to Gonzaga, and uh, they had next they had two flex spots, and I actually really liked it because um, it basically rewards those teams that have depth, which is nice. And since it's a flex, it's not necessarily like a wide receiver or a running back. It's flexible, which I think is good too. Um, hence the name. Now. <laughs> Having an extra bench spot, which is also another addition, I think is going to be good for this league, too, because it will increase the number of trades. I mean, I would say historically, Eric, how many trades have there been in this league? I, I mean, last there's year? Not been, there's not been very many. I think I made no. two last year, and I think that was out of maybe three out of three yeah. or four total. I mean, the power of the free market economy cannot be denied. And I think that adding this bench spot will allow people to – uh, basically do a lot more trades with guys who maybe, you know, they're not a top five or top 10 person, maybe not even top 20, but you're like, Hey, I might take a, a chance on Kalen Balage. Is it Balage? Balage, yeah. See, yeah. Okay. Someone, my cousin corrected me about that today during my fantasy draft. I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm right, but no worries. Um, another change we're going to make, we're going to, uh, take all the points scored by kickers and we're going to cut them in half. So this was um, talked about uh, with some of the Ericsons in the league. I'm not going to name which two, but two of, of the Ericsons brought it up to me. I think this is more they wanted... me. <laughs> no, you, no, Joe also. I thought Joe also said something. But I think the I, initial idea was to remove them entirely since it is a little bit of RNG, right? I mean, basically a good kicker isn't necessarily the best kicker because the best kicker really is just all about accuracy. They don't decide how often they kick and where they kick from. So the best kickers, yeah, they have good accuracy, but they're on offenses that aren't the tippy top where maybe, you know, they're scoring too many touchdowns. You're only getting PATs, but offenses that are like mediocre where, Oh man, they get to the 20 and then they suck. And so they have to take a field goal. So it's kind of odd. So I think it's a good change, but I don't want—I didn't want to remove kickers entirely because I mean it kind of adds a little bit of flavor, you know. And I, and I like the—I like a little bit of flavor, you know. Um, now, a couple of more administrative changes uh, uh, concerning the league structure of payouts. We are going to be removing the King of the Hill program that we've been running for the past three years, mostly because it takes a lot of time to figure out who is the King of the Hill, and no one cares. So that's out. Um, we're going to double all weekly payouts. So instead of uh, a weekly payout of $10 going if you score the most points, you're going to get 20 um, Also, we're going to go back and forth between most points scored and a weekly challenge for the weekly payouts. So that means I believe there's going to be seven most points scored and six weekly challenges just to kind of mix things up in the league. And once again, all those winners will get a full $20. Now, looking towards the future, I think that there are a couple other changes that we could make that we're not going to make this year, but potentially next year they could be awesome. Number one would be going to a two-quarterback league. I think that would be a lot of a lot of fun. be really interesting. There could be a lot more uh, pressure to grab you know, maybe a quarterback earlier in the draft. Not only that, but you have a lot of quarterbacks that are more available that you're also going to want to grab too. You know? Maybe that makes Sam Darnold relevant you know, or, I don't know, someone who sucks. It'll be fun. Uh, we're also thinking about possibly having the points, having the points of your defense. Since once again, I think defenses are kind of similar to kickers in that it's mostly based off of like, you know, how did, you know, random randomness. I think that it's not that great for the league. 
The one thing about defenses, though, that I do like is that a lot of our scoring does reward good defense. So that's good. I'm actually – I just joined – well, I've been in a league with some, some people from uh, from college, uh, from grad school, and uh, they just did a couple changes in the league. I got to bring them up here because they're hilarious. No one knows what they're doing. Uh, we have four bench spots and four IR spots on our bench. Wow. Insane. I don't even – I've never even played with an IR spot. Four. And defenses score based off of passes defended as well, which is odd. So, I don't know. Sounds Anyways, extra. it's uh, yeah, it's kind of odd. Another possible change in the future, bring on two more players. This is kind of something that I think would it'd have to be a, a right uh, spot, right situation, um, direction that we wanted to move towards. 14 teams, yeah, sure, you know, that really kind of dilutes the amount of talent you'll have on your team. But it could be fun. Who knows? I don't. I've never been in a 14 personally. Now, one of the other changes would be moving towards a dynasty with a rookie draft. I know you've done this before, Eric. This is more about, okay, you basically everyone would auction draft one year, and then every subsequent year you would only draft rookies. And then you basically sign people to contracts. You have them on your team for a certain amount of years. You pay them a certain amount of money, and there's obviously a cap, so you can't just you know have a stack team. But yeah, It's pretty intense. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes... It makes it more of an intense experience. You know, the EIG is a top tier league, so you know this isn't just for this isn't just your your family league. You know, draft absolutely. Or... And I think we should, uh, yeah. I mean, we should be looking for top tier experiences. Um, and also, I think we're all secretly hoping that maybe one day we'll become NFL GMs. I know I am, maybe owners. This is definitely a step in that direction. You know. So if you heard those changes and you got some opinions. Jump don't this, tell us we don't give Discord. a shit democracy sucks like let us let connor know let the commission know what you think are the possible possible future changes if you got opinions on the new changes drop your opinion too connor probably won't listen but got some event i think you missed yeah, another yeah, one but... too connor for changes for this year it looks like first place is going to be bumped oh. up a little bit that's right. So we're taking some of the money from King of the Hill and adding it to first place. So first place, uh, I'll have to check. We're looking at about 460. I think last year it was uh, so. So I'm looking forward to that increased first place hitting my bank account um, in a few months. Doubt it. And auction draft. You mentioned the auction draft at the top. You gave advice to everyone. You said make sure you do at least one mock draft before so you can kind of get the feel for what an auction draft is all about. Have you done yeah. an auction draft before, Connor? I've only done one auction draft. I did it last week. So, And that was a, uh, a mock draft or like an actual draft? It was an actual draft. Um, and it went really – I think it went like – it went okay, but I definitely think I, I spent too much of my budget early and then I wasn't able to really – uh, fill in my roster as well as I had wanted to. Um, but at the same time, I did get a lot of really good players. So we'll have to see how it turns out. I think I'll be okay. For sure. But that's kind of one of the reasons why I recommend doing a mock is because you may go into it saying, okay, I really like these players. Well, all of a sudden, like, you know, you, maybe you spent a little bit more than you wanted to. Now you have 11 spots left and you have $15. Well, that, you know, a lot of times when you, towards the end of the draft, you're electing players for a dollar, maybe you can't even put in two more dollars if someone bids two dollars, right? So you can't go up to three. So let's say you want to bet a dollar because you want this player. Someone goes to two dollars and you literally cannot afford two more dollars to bet three dollars or to, I guess, 
bid $3. So it's kind of, um, I mean, I think it's generally good, but there are some kinks, and I think that I'd really recommend people trying to do a mock beforehand to figure that out. For sure. And, you know, kind of to piggyback off your advice, you know, going in with the plan is great. It's always kind of good to think about, you know, have your strategy going in, but just know that in an auction, things can change really fast. And a lot of times your strategy going in isn't what you end up going with. So just kind of have, it's always, it's good to have a plan going in, I think, but just know, kind of be on your toes when you see that your plan's not quite going as you thought and you're, and you got to change directions. That's good advice. And since we're talking so much about this auction draft, what's coming up on Wednesday, Connor and I want to break down some of the positions and give you guys our rankings and some advice and some sleepers. And we're going to go through each of the main positions. We're going to go through quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. And we're going to give you guys our top five for that position. And then we got three different kind of categories where we're going to pick a player for each one. The first one is sleeper, which is, um, can you explain it, Connor? You, sleeper is, is someone who's maybe kind of outside the top 10 yeah. or so, uh, you know, depending on the position, kind of outside that top, you know, tiers, two or three tiers of that position who we think is going to, you know, make a rise up the rankings and potentially be a, a league winner or a player that pushes you into the playoffs. Right. Yeah, this is a, the kind of player that um, basically there's not a lot of expectations this year, or maybe they had a, a really bad year last year. So they're not being ranked very, high, very highly, I guess, amongst their peers. But this is someone that uh, Eric or I think, well, this person could bust out. They could be really good. And they most likely will be. So the sleeper is more of someone going from rags to relevant. And then the next category is the dark horse. That's someone who we think is kind of in that medium medium tier of their position, who we think is going to be contending for that top spot of their position. And That's exactly the, right. Yep. And the last category is a bus. So a player who's ranked ranked high up for his position, who we think is um, going to end up disappointing the owners who draft him. Right. I mean, I think this is a great time for me and Eric to say who we think is going to suck, and then hopefully you guys won't draft him and then we'll get him for value. Exactly. That was definitely my strategy when I made my picks. So for sure. thanks for giving it away. But. With that, I'm going to break down the first position, and that is quarterback. So even though we're thinking about going to two quarterbacks this year, we just got one. Um, I'm going to give you guys my top five first. I think the first one's pretty obvious. That's Patrick Mahomes. Now, last year, people were he was the sleeper last year. People were able to get him late in the draft, and he was easily the best quarterback in fantasy and the NFL, probably. And all I'm going to say about Patrick Mahomes, my guy, is that last year I was targeting him in our draft. And I waited until the ninth round to take a quarterback. And I was so excited. And all of a sudden, fucking Eric Hovey takes him right before me. So then I was like, damn, I was so angry. But luckily I had a great backup plan. So I picked Alex Smith. Yeah, pretty good. Worked out pretty well for you. Worked out pretty well. Alex Smith, he, I think he might be a he might be a, a sleeper this year too. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> My number two quarterback, <laughs> another, another young gun. I'm going with Deshaun Watson. 
So I just like his his big playability, either doing it in the air or on the ground. He's obviously got some a big time receiver in Hopkins, plenty of other offensive weapons. So plenty of plenty to like about Watson. And number three, I'm gonna go with Aaron Rodgers. Another guy hard to bet against. Last year, maybe not his best year, but new head coach this year, new offense. You know, he's got definitely plenty of targets you can go to. I think Rodgers is in for a step up from last year. Number four, I'm going to go with Matt Ryan. Same thing, just the Falcons, high-powered offense, two big-time receivers, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, both, you know, top one guy top five as position, another guy probably top 20. Falcons always seem to be a pretty high-powered offense. So I'm going to roll with him at number four. And my number five quarterback, I'm going to go with Carson Wentz. And I think Wentz may be a little underrated just because, you know, last year kind of up and down, maybe not the best season. But, you know, I think Wentz, he's played at an MVP level before. He's shown it, and I think now – uh, having a full healthy offseason under him that he's in for some pretty big things uh, in Philly. You, any 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 thoughts on, on that top five? Uh, I think it's a, a solid top five. I'm not really sure how I feel about Matt Ryan ever. I feel like I, feel like I always want to like him, but, but I don't. And I, I'm not really sure why because, you know, Seems solid, but uh, my only big biggest complaint would have to be Carson Wentz. I don't think he'll be number five. Um, I, I mean, he really has a lot of injury issues. I mean, there's a reason the Eagles are taking Josh McCown out of retirement so he can be a backup, and they're paying him a pretty penny to do that. I mean, clearly he's in a, a great offense, right? I mean, the Eagles were great without him. So I'm not really sure if I can trust him enough to be top. You know, I think a lot of people have Baker Mayfield kind of scratching their top five or in their top five. I think he's kind of a sexy pick going into the season. Uh, a lot of hype about the Browns. But I just, mm-hmm. I just think since we've seen Wentz do it before, so I just got a little more faith in him going into the season. That's fair. Yeah, there's this um, there's this guy at work who tells me I look like Baker Mayfield. Um, I don't know about that one, but... Uh... <laughs> True story, dude. <laughs> Moving forward? I'm not going to correct him. I think it's, I think it's great. I mean, definitely a compliment, but I don't know how much I trust that guy. So so moving on to my sleeper, I'm going to go with uh, Kirk Cousins for the Vikings. His first season in Minnesota, definitely a disappointment. Um, But I think with the return of Dalvin Cook, their offense is going to be a lot more productive. He obviously has two really good receivers and Diggs and Thielen. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, when he's healthy at tight end, gives him another big target. I think the Vikings have said they want to run the ball a little more, but I think with a, you know effective run game, that will help their passing game. Sure. I think Kirk Cousins, he's a guy, if you, want, if you wanted to wait on quarterback you know, towards late in the draft, he would easily be someone you could pick up um, in those later rounds. And for my dark horse, I'm going to go with Jared Goff. So I think Goff, he's kind of more towards the the back end of the QB the QB ones. He's kind of more ranked tenth, eleventh among quarterbacks. I think a lot of people kind of the last image they have of Jared Goff is that Super Bowl game where they obviously were terrible on offense. Yeah. But the whole season the Rams were clicking on offense. 
They have a ton of weapons. I think whether Todd Gurley is healthy or not, I think Goff is going to be in for another big season. And for my bust, I'm going to go with the local quarterback. I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. So Wilson last year had five games with 15 or less points. And three of those were under 10, 10 points. And two of those games of under 10 points came during the fantasy playoffs. You know, I think obviously with Wilson, you know, he had, a, he had a lot of big games. He had seven games over 20 points, but it's just you never really know what you're going to get out of him, especially with the Seahawks. They're so focused on running the ball. And a lot of that Wilson earlier in his career, you know, obviously got a lot of scrambling, but, you know, last year, hardly any rushing for him at all. And last year, this he threw so many touchdowns and so little opportunities, so many um, – chances and i think that number the number of his touchdowns his efficiency is going to go down a little bit so i think russell wilson is in for a dip and i think whoever drafts him will end up uh, being disappointed in what they get out of him any any thoughts on uh on, on big russ connor trying to bait me for uh say something mean to you um i mean look i think we all like russell wilson i mean this is basically a team full of people, or I guess a league full of people from Washington. But, uh, I mean, and to be honest, when, when you first said that he was going to bust, I was a little angry. I think I booed you, but your argument is completely logical. And, uh, I mean, he's he was a you know, one of the, the top three fantasy quarterbacks a couple of years ago uh, when he was still on his rookie contract and could actually run the ball. But now I feel like he doesn't run the ball at all. He really sometimes scrambles, but he's, you know, he's still looking downfield when he's scrambling. And, I mean, once again, with the focus on the run game for the Seahawks, I could see him not being that fantasy relevant. So that's my breakdown of the quarterbacks. Now we're going to kick it to Connor to break down probably the most important position in fantasy football, and that is the running backs. That's correct. So number one, um, I think is – well, to be honest, I think the one and two spots for the running backs are kind of 1A, 1B. I think that you can go right either way. But – uh, the tiebreaker for me is is last name. So number one is obviously Christian McCaffrey. He's a Mick. I'm a Mick. I got to choose him. He is, he has both things that we look for in fantasy football: talent and opportunity. I think he is a little bit less talented than Saquon Barkley. I mean, Saquon's obviously a fantastic runner, but Christian McCaffrey can catch a lot of balls, and the Panthers are going to use him as a pass catching back, uh, probably just as uh, just as much as Saquon Barkley or. And if you look at his backup or anyone else on their team in the running back position, there's no one else to really play that actually can play. So for me, I think Christian McCaffrey is going to be one of the top or the top fantasy football running back this year. He's in a great spot. I think Greg Olson used to be the safety foul for Cam Newton, but, you know, Greg Olson's getting older. He can't really play as much. Cam Newton's going to use Christian McCaffrey as his safety valve when things don't go his way. So I really am high on him this year. I think he's going to be spectacular. And I hope no one else bids on him during our draft. Um, number two, I have obviously Saquon Barkley. Once again, 1A, 1B. I think he's by far the most talented running back in the league. He showed last year that he's an absolute fantasy stud. And uh, I don't see any negatives with him, really. I think he's awesome. I think one thing that will hurt him is the loss of Odell Beckham, to be completely honest. I think that Odell Beckham is such a dynamic player. He drives going when... The Giants got in trouble. I think that really helped their entire offense out. 
So that might be a little bit of a hit on him, but I mean, once again, one A, one B. I think he's uh, he's a stud, and he has huge thighs. I, I watched a video of him squatting, and uh, wow, it was pretty impressive. He's got great muscle definition. He's got his veins are popping out. I mean, really, it's something that we could all shoot for in our personal lives. Hard to bet against a guy that's got thick thighs. I mean, seriously, I think his center of gravity is at his knees. It's insane. Um, Number three, I got my, uh, you know, I almost, I almost didn't put him number three because he has that, uh, he has that nose piercing that goes to the middle, you know, like a cow. Um, but Alvin yeah, Kamara a is ring. a fantastic running back. What's that called? A bull ring? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that, but no one ever asks me for fa- fashion advice. So what do I know? Alvin Kamara was absolutely ridiculous when Mark Ingram was out the first four games last year. He was insane. I think he was one or two fantasy running backs. I should have done my homework. All you need to know is that the moment he starts putting time with Mark Ingram, yeah, he was still obviously relevant and a fantastic player, but his production did go down. I mean, the Saints picked up Latavius Murray. Let me tell you something. Latavius Murray is not Mark Ingram. Yeah, he's he'll be used a couple times, maybe for some short yardage or some some goal line carries, but I really think that Alvin Kamara is going to be a stud this year. Uh, the Saints are in win-now mode, right? They're going to do everything that they can to win while Drew Brees is still uh, alive. So I really think that the Saints are going to be great this year. I think that Kamara is going to be awesome. Um, just I really wish he did something else with his nose. Number four is a guy who kind of uh, he feasted on opportunity last year, and I think he's going to – I mean, basically – he allowed Le'Veon Bell to just fuck off for a year because he was so good. That's James Conner. I think James Conner is very good. But I really believe that the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense is very good. Big Ben is such a chucker. I think he that entire offense is going to be spectacular. I think that James Conner is going to lead that running back crew to easily a top-five finish. I think he's going to be spectacular. I can't say enough things nice about him. If he beat cancer, he can beat. Anyone else he plays. Um, the only issue that I have with James Conner is that I know that they had um, a couple issues with trying to find like a second or third wide receiver. I mean, when they had Antonio Brown and Juju, that's fantastic, right? I know they got James Washington, Dante Moncrief, but none of those guys are really a strong second wide receiver. So I'm not sure if that's really going to hurt him or help him, but I think it adds a little bit of risk to that pick. I'm not really sure how much you can trust that um, them throwing the ball. Maybe they'll run it more. Or maybe they'll have a shittier offense. Who knows? But James Conner is a stud. I like him at number four. Number five um, is Le'Veon Bell. I think that we're all, we all forget. I've seen a lot of the rankings. I think everyone's forgetting how good of a player Le'Veon Bell is and how much he'll catch the ball in the backfield. This guy has so much patience when he runs the ball. It's uh, it's insane. I mean, it's basically the exact opposite of watching Thomas Rawls run, you know, who just, like, runs into people and then falls over, you know. Le'Veon Bell has patience. He's got agility, and he's got great hands. I think because we are in a .5 PPR league, uh, Le'Veon Bell will be a top five running back. I think Sam Donald's better than he was. I think the Jets are better than they And I think that people are not evaluating what Le'Veon Bell brings to the table. You have any uh, complaints with that top five? You know, I, I can't say that I would have put McCaffrey over Saquon Barkley. I think Barkley is... Just like you know, like you said, it's a point five PPR league. 
and uh, McCaffrey's going to catch a, ball, a lot of balls. I think Saquon Barkley could catch just as many as he does. He's in an offense where he's really the only weapon, so they're going to be featuring him and getting him the ball a lot. So I think if it was me, I think I would put Barkley at number one, but McCaffrey would probably be my number two. And number five, I do like your pick of Le'Veon Bell, but I think, you know, it's just hard. Just You don't know what that guy's going to do. It's just a little risky. You never know what you're going to get out of him. Obviously, if he's at his best, he's probably the best running back in fantasy. But just if he if you take him high, he can end up being a guy who burns you. Like, obviously, he's going to be playing in games unlike last year, but there's just definitely some risk involved. I think I'd be looking at guys like even a Nick Chubb as the fifth running back or – even if you wanted to go for someone like Dalvin Cook, I don't think I would blame you. Fair, fair enough. All right, so now uh, my sleeper pick for the running back crew, once again, the rags to relevant story of 2019. I'm going to go with the running back for the San Diego Chargers, Justin Jackson. Looking at this situation with Melvin Gordon, let me just going to call it right now. Melvin Gordon is not going to play this year. Okay, He's going to sit out. It's It's so obvious to me. I mean, running backs are a dime a dozen. They get beat up. They have short uh, career spans. I think he's got to do what's best for himself. He's going to pull essentially a Le'Veon Bell and take a year off. And honestly, Austin Eckler is on everyone's radar as the guy in San Diego. I'm sorry, Los Angeles. Sorry, Chris. But I really think that Austin Eckler is decent as a pass-catching back. But Justin Jackson played very well at the end of last year. He's going to take the bulk of the carries out of that backfield. And I really think that he's going to be a very strong RB2 that you can pick up um, at the later end of the draft because people obviously aren't really sure what's going on with the Melvin Gordon situation. But I really like him. Uh, my dark horse, which is kind of like my medium to top, is uh, Marlon Mack running back for the Indianapolis Colts. He has obviously been someone that's been uh, – we've been talking about him recently. But with the recent retirement of Andrew Luck, I think a lot of people are – not high on the Colts offense at all anymore. I think that the biggest hit on that is to T.Y. Hilton. But really, I think who's going to benefit is Marlon Mack. They're going to, obviously, Jacoby Brissett can throw the ball. I think they're going to run the ball a lot more than we think they will. I think Marlon Mack is going to be the recipient of a lot more carries than we realize. So for me, I think he could finish in the top 10 running backs easily, uh, given the situation with Andrew. Now, when it comes to my bus candidate, it pains me to say this. But I have it as Todd Gurley, running back for the Rams. You know, I don't have arthritis. I think that's what he has. And obviously, he signed a huge contract. So, you know, they want to get used to him. But he barely played in the Super Bowl. I thought that towards the end of the season, he was really falling off. They extended his backup and Malcolm Brown. They drafted a running back in the third round. I think the Rams are very much aware of the ticking time bomb on Todd Gurley's knees. And unfortunately, I think they're going to use him more in a committee this year. So I'm seeing him picked, you know, obviously as like an RB1. I think he'll be an RB2 or worse. I really do. Um, the Rams are obviously going to throw the ball a ton. And who knows if he'll even be out there for those, uh, those throwing plays. So unfortunately, I got to drop him down. Yeah, I think I'm going the opposite on Gurley, actually. I think since a lot of people are worried about his health and his role moving forward, they're worried about Daryl Henderson taking some of his carries or whoever else the Rams may throw back there. I think Gurley is someone that you could grab who – could be a top running back an RB1 who you might not have to pay that running back one price for. See, that's the other token. And, you know, that's uh, 
for me, you know, when it comes down to who I choose in my draft, I try to minimize risk. And obviously there is some risk behind, behind Todd Gurley. But, I mean, if he can relive the glory days of old and you pick him where he's being picked right now, that's a crazy good pick. It's crazy good value. So, it's for possible. Sure. All right, now we're going to look at the wide receivers. I think with the extra flex spot added this year, we're going to see a lot, you know, a lot more people playing three wide receivers, maybe some weeks where people are even playing four wide receivers. So it's going to be a lot of receivers taken this year. Going to be really diving down the list and the rankings to see who you can grab late and hopefully be a productive player. But looking at the top of those rankings, number one, I'm going to go with Devonte Adams and Adams last year. He had in every game except one, he had either a hundred yards receiving or a touchdown. So every week he was getting you, you know, 15 to 20 or more points. He was just a stud the whole season. Obviously, he's got a stellar quarterback, and he's Aaron Rodgers' top target, and I don't think there's going to be any slowing down for Adams this year. And right behind him at number two is DeAndre Hopkins. You know, obviously he has another stellar quarterback throwing him the ball. And Watson, he's the main target in Houston's offense. And it does it seems like no matter what, no matter who his quarterback is or who else is on the team, Hopkins is always going to put up some pretty big numbers. And at number three, I got Julio Jones. Again, just a fantasy stud, does it year in and year out. Maybe the touchdowns aren't always there. It's kind of an, always a hard thing pr- to predict, but you would think that number of touchdowns is going to keep going up for Julio. And at four, I got Michael Thomas for the Saints. Part of, again, part of a high-powered offense. Drew Brees' favorite target, so he's going to score his fair share of fantasy points this season. And at number five, I got Odell Beckham. You know, moving to a new team, new situation for him, probably what was best for him just mentally and on the field it's obviously going to help a ton being with baker mayfield as his quarterback and being a part of an offense that has plenty of weapons so everyone's not just keen on him so i expect pretty big things out of obj this season connor you got any 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 issues with that with that top five you know i think it's a very solid i like adams i love hopkins michael thomas is a stud julio is just julio you know every year he's a top five wide receiver but i really don't think odell's gonna have a good year man i mean i watched a couple browns games last year and baker does a really good job of spreading the ball i even had jarvis landry i thought he was gonna have a good year last year and he really didn't baker is not the kind of quarterback that just feeds one wide receiver he really spreads the ball and i think that he's got a lot of weapons you got nick chubb you got landry you got odell you have Njoku. i mean he has so many people to throw the ball to is antonio callaway still on that team maybe But, um, yeah, I know he was, like, a fantasy relevant for, like, a week or something. Um, I really just think Odell, he's going to be above average. He's not going to be top five. I think he'll be a a really high uh, wide receiver, too. Maybe he'll be top 15. But I think his production is not going to be the same as it was for the Giants because when he was on the Giants, Eli Manning would just literally, like, as he was getting sacked, he would just, like, throw the ball up to Odell. And Odell would make some crazy catch, right, and then be a first down. So I don't think that's going to happen in Cleveland. Yeah, I think Beckham, he's pretty similar to Le'Veon Bell in that if he's at his best, he'll probably, he could win you your league, but there's just so much variance in his production. You just never know what you're going to get out of him. And so now I'm going to pick my, my sleeper, my dark horse and my bus for my sleeper. 
I'm going to go with the player who seems like everyone tags him as a sleeper every year and he never really meets it, but that's Jamison Crowder for the Jets. Like you were talking about earlier about Sam Darnold, another year in the offense for him. I think the Jets are going to be a lot more productive. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell at running back kind of opens them up. I think Crowder is a guy who in the slot could catch a lot of passes and in the .5 PPR league could be a really productive guy who you're playing as one of your two flex spots. And for my dark horse, I'm going to go with Alshon Jeffrey. So we talked about the Eagles earlier. Um, obviously, with Wentz back in the fold, um, it could, they could be a really high-powered offense. I think Alshon Jeffrey, he's kind of he's not really a sexy pick, just because it just seems like you're you're always just kind of getting solid production out of him, but never anything big. But I think for where you're going to be drafting him, how much you're going to be spending on him, he's just a guy who's going to be able to give you solid production every single week, and then also have some of those really big weeks for you where he maybe wins you a matchup. And for my bust, I'm going to pick Kenny Galladay for the Lions. I just think for the price you're going to be paying for him, just kind of how he's valued as kind of in that second group of wide receivers, I'm just not sure if you're going to be able to get that consistent production out of him. I think it's not even the, the Lions have other guys who maybe Matthew Stafford will be looking to. You know, it's even like Marvin Jones and Carryon Johnson out of the backfield. Um, I just don't, I'm just not sure if Galladay is going to be the guy who gives you that consistent production every week. So the price you're going to be paying on him might not be worth it. That's a really good point. I think that's – I think Kenny Galladay is very talented. He's a very good wide receiver. But what he really needs to work on is consistency. And uh, who knows if it's going to happen next year. And last but not least, we got the tight ends. So Connor's going to give us his top five and then some guys to keep your eye on. Right. I mean, obviously the guy with the tightest end. We'll talk about the tight ends. Now, I think that the tight end position is a, it's an area that we typically, you know, don't spend a lot of time and energy on. Uh, joke's on you because I've been doing countless hours of research on these tight end spots. So if you're really not sure who to pick this year, why don't you ignore what you're doing at work, turn off your screen, and just listen to these words. Now, number one, obviously, Travis Kelsey. I think he's by far the best football player in the Kelsey family, and I think he's going to be the number one tight end in fantasy football this year. Patrick Mahomes is a stud. He, for some reason, can throw the ball like Aaron Rodgers, and he's got so many other things going for him. You got Andy Reid. The entire offense is is awesome. I think that Travis Kelsey is going to be a stud. He's always been a stud. I think he's going to be essentially the Gronk of old. And that's kind of a different change with the tight ends the past couple of years. I kind of feel like there is this elite set of a couple tight ends who are essentially wide receivers. Like you're scoring the same amount of points as a, a top wide receiver. And then after you get out of that tier, it's just absolute garbage. So I think that if you're going to go for that tier, Kelsey's number one. Number two is my guy, George Kittle. I really like George Kittle a lot. I took him in one of my drafts last year in like the 13th round, and boy, did that pay off. I also took Delaney Walker, so that was actually great. But um, one of the things I like about him is that you have Garoppolo coming back into this offense. I think that the Niners are set up to have a, a pretty good uh, amount of rushing yards and throwing yards this year. And Kittle can show that he can not only catch, but he can run after the catch. He's incredibly good at making opportunity when he has it. So I'm a big fan of George Kittle this year. He's my number two. Number three really comes down. I mean, I think it's close. With the, For me, the top five tight ends are all very similar. 
uh, when they're kind of, they're going to score at about a really good wide receiver, maybe like a one or two top level two wide receiver. I had Evan Ingram, and that's mostly because of the target vacancy left um, by Odell Beckham when he left the Giants. The Giants need someone to throw the ball to. They picked up Golden Tate. Golden Tate was shooting up PEDs. He got caught. He's not going to play the first couple games. Who else are they going to throw the ball to? Sterling Shepard? Sterling Shepard sucks. Don't tell him I said that. But I think that Evan Ingram's going to feast. I think this guy is going to be essentially the best or highest-scoring wide receiver, quote-unquote, in the Giants' office this year. I think he's going to be a stud. I think you can draft him. You can overpay for him, and he'll be great. However, obviously, he's not going to be as good as Kelsey or Kittle. Number four is a guy who I feel like every year he's good, Zach Ertz. Every year we come back to him, he just catches so many balls. He has so many targets. Carson Wentz loves to throw the ball his way. In fact, the entire Eagles quarterback crew, I think Nick Foles even threw the ball at him a ton. He's just a guy who gets a lot of targets. He's going to be great. I don't think he's going to be the number one or even number two scoring tight end, but I think he will be top five. So he has a very, very, very high um, Number five, very similar to my number three pick, Evan Ingram. You have a huge vacancy of targets. With the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and O.J. Howard is going to be able to feast. He's going to be able to take some of those targets, and he's going to be exactly what you want for what you draft him for, which is an excellent tight end at not the price of an excellent tight end. While some people in our draft are going to pay 30 bucks for Kelsey or 25 bucks for Kittle, you can probably get Howard for maybe 10 maybe 12 I think that's a lot of value. If he's scoring 80% the amount of points as Kelsey or Kittle, that's a fantastic pick. So I'm really high on O.J. Howard this year. I think he's going to be great. And Eric, if you have anything to say, uh, now's the time. You know, I don't have, I don't have much argument for any of these guys. I think this is a really good top five. Like what you said about Howard, I think the Bucks are going to be passing it a ton. Um, just because you know that they they showed it last year, they threw a ton. They also don't have a good defense, so they're probably going to be in a lot of games where they're behind. So they're going to be really chucking it. And I think Jameis Winston has always had a pretty good connection with Howard, so I do like him as your fifth tight end. The only thing maybe I would argue against, I'd probably have Zach Ertz at number three over Evan Ingram. I did like what you said about Ingram, since uh, the the Giants, you know, offensively, not not a lot of guys. Um, really taking any targets from him so i do think ingram's going to be you know one of those top tier tight ends but i do think Ertz will end up finishing higher than him i just like the consistency from Ertz. we've seen him do it a lot before mm-hmm. and you know i'm expecting some big things out of wentz so i think that's going to lead to some good things from Ertz as well there you go now when it comes to my sleeper pick i'm going to be busting out some statistics my guy jack doyle tied it and for the indianapolis colts i know what you're thinking but Eric Ebron was a touchdown machine last year. He was someone I took, I got for peanuts, and he was a top tight end. And while that's true, touchdowns are not very consistent year over year. I think Ebron's going to be good. I don't think he's going to be great. Jack Doyle, though, he was injured for most of last year. I think when he comes back this year, he's going to be great. Now, my statistic of the week of the podcast is that when Doyle came back from injury, he played 196 snaps. Eric Ebron only played 112, so almost double his snaps. And you think, wow, Ebron was killing it. Why is Doyle playing so much? It's because Doyle has the talent, and now he has the opportunity, now that he's healthy. I think he's a guy you can get towards the end of the draft that can be a very serviceable tight end. Jack Doyle, he was who I picked last year as my tight end. Obviously didn't work because Eric Ebron stole all the touchdowns, so probably guaranteed he's going to be good this year since I was on him last year. True, true. Basically, if 
yeah, that's that logic holds up. Now, when it comes to my dark horse pick, the medium to top, it's going to be tight end for the Los Angeles Chargers, Hunter Henry. I think he was injured last year. He got injured in training camp, like tore an ACL. He didn't even play. The Chargers went out and grabbed Antonio Gates off his couch. And he was, you know, he was there. He was, he was existing. But he's not Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry is very good at catching the football. I think he's a guy that people aren't really sure what to do with him. You know, he has this injury concern. And, uh, you know, you're not really sure how he's going to fit in the offense since he was out of it for a year. But I think he's a guy you can take who's a, a middling tight end who could potentially uh, end up in the top five tight end when it comes to money. Now, my bus candidate of the year is actually similar to the reason why I chose Odell Beckham as my bus candidate. It's the fact that Baker Mayfield loves to spread the ball around. It's going to be David Njoku. I think every year he's a guy we talk about. He has all the physical attributes of someone who can excel at the tight end position. But for some reason, he's always just kind of middling. He's always just kind of average. And I think this year, with the addition of Odell Beckham, he's going to take a step back. I, I'm not even going to look at him in my drafts. I think he'll be out of the top 12 tight ends. I think you can ignore him until maybe Odell gets hurt, maybe Landry goes down. Whatever there's opportunity, maybe I would look at picking him up, but I really don't think he's going to have a good year this year. All right, and that does it for the breakdowns of each position. Now that you've heard that, I'm sure all you guys are ready for the draft. Don't forget, it's on Wednesday at what time, Connor? Oh, dude, I'm not prepared. Wednesday. <laughs> no, I think it's 7 p.m., pretty sure. Check in the Discord to confirm. Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Oh. All right. Ask me again. Hey, Connor, <laughs> what time yeah. on Wednesday? Oh, I'm so happy you asked me that. It's Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So don't you guys miss it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think that I'm going to get in the Discord channel while we're drafting. I encourage you all to as well. We can talk shit about each other's picks. And uh, hopefully I can see you guys. You know, you guys will bid up players that I have listed as a sleeper. And I'm not even interested. So it'll be perfect for me. Speaking of Discord, make sure that you're on it. Download the app on your phone. Have it so your notifications are set for it. You don't have to have it so all notifications are on, but at least the at mentions so that we're all active in the Discord once again. We all want to see when Tristan makes Joe a trade offer and then Joe blows up on him again. So, oh, it's so you much don't fun. Miss, you don't want to miss out on that. And that's going to do it for the very first episode of the EEIG podcast. If you guys have any feedback for Connor and I, make sure you let us know. Keep it to and yourself. We're looking forward to putting these out. We're hoping to do it at least once a week. Maybe some weeks we'll have more. We'll see what we can do. But Also, I think it'd be fun to have people on from the league. So if you're interested in maybe joining us for a podcast and you want to talk about something that happened this week or maybe you're angry about a trade offer or maybe you, know, you have some drama or beef, you know, I love me some beef, mm -hmm. I would recommend – putting your head uh your hat in the ring come joining us exactly we want to have everybody on a podcast so make sure you let us know when you're trying to hop on and that's going to do it for the first episode so hope you guys enjoyed and thanks for listening <laughs>